0: agents Podcast. welcome to the lab code agents podcast this episode is brought to you by the lab code agents marketing center the lca marketing center is designed specifically for the real estate world it's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play from flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at LCA Marketingcenter.com. Welcome to this week's episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. Today we get to talk to Jenny Weimert about how she grew a team to over 52 we mates. Yes, I said we mates. Stay tuned, we'll explain. This is a fun and informative conversation about team Ridge for those who might want to consider joining a team or those looking for great advice on how to grow a team in 2019. It's a fantastic episode where we learned a lot of new words. Let's get started. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lab Coat Agents podcast. And today, like many days, I get to interview somebody that I have never met before other than stalking on the internet and I am really excited to interview this individual uh, as she is doing some amazing things in Florida, uh, is crushing real estate on a very large level, has grown a very large team with a very strong culture. And she is here today to tell us all about how she does it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Jenny Weimert.
1: Yes, thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. The Weimert Group Realty, and you are based out of the Orlando area in Florida. Jenny, tell the listener who you are and what your upbringing is in the business.
1: Great, thanks. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. What a great audience. Lab Coats is amazing, and I've learned so much from being part of this group, so happy to be able to give back here. But I am uh, I run a team with my husband in Orlando, Florida, and I've had a team for the past 16 years, I've been licensed for 20, and um, we currently have 51 or two team members, um, and we operate as a true team, uh, even though we're a brokerage. So we kind of refer to ourselves as a team but when I say we were operate as a team, we have uh, buyer specialists, listing specialists, marketing specialists, transaction coordinators, in-house photography, inside sales... And we truly do support each other and work in our, um, you know, talent areas. So um, our our clients get, you know, 52 people for the price of one.
0: I love it. I love it. And I love that you guys make up your own words. And we're going to get into some other words that you made up as well. Uh, (laughs) But first... Let's talk about uh, you know kind of your upbringing in the business. Where where do you come from? Um, I, you mentioned how long you've been in the business, but what led you to where you are today? Kind of take us through um, take us through that.
1: Sure. Well, I should start with um, my fathers. My both my fa- biological father and my stepfather were broker owners my whole life. So, come from a real estate family. Grandfather was a realtor. Everybody's a realtor. So, but I didn't, I wanted to do what my parents didn't do. And so I went in to be a teacher and I was a teacher in Houston, Texas for seven years and um, I was good at it and I loved it, but I wasn't fulfilled. There was something missing and it was that immediate feedback piece. I needed that. I couldn't wait until the kids graduated from high school to tell me I was a great teacher. I needed that immediate feedback And um, I realized I needed to be selling something. And I thought, well, what am I going to sell? I know how to sell real estate. So I went into, you know, got my license and went right into full-time real estate. At the same time, my husband, who's my high school sweetheart, was a CPA in Houston and, you know, kind of jumping from firm to firm and and working his way up the ladder. And I, I started selling in Houston Got a year and a half under our belt. We had triplets, moved to um, Orlando, Florida, and um, then I realized, okay, I need to get back into the field. Got my license in Florida, and thought I'll just start farming a community. And by the time the kids go to kindergarten, I'll have a you know a decent foundation for a business, and I can I can get back in and go. Well, it just took off a lot faster than I expected, and probably seven years into it. My husband looked over and he said, it looks like you're having more fun. He was a partner at a CPA firm selling his soul. And he said, "Um, I'm going to come over and run your business in 2010. And that's when we took the lid off this business. And here we are with this this beast.
0: That is pretty cool. So in, in other words, real estate is in your blood. You tried to run from it and you couldn't. That's right. And I think that's probably true because you you really think about it. When you think back about how you get raised in, in this world and you go to school and you get your education, you go to college, nobody teaches about anything real estate related, whether it's selling real estate, mortgages, title, it's not taught, right? It's it's like in your blood or you just by chance stumble upon it. And then it's like an addiction that you can't get out of, right? Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So uh, so you and your husband kind of merged together. You both left your careers uh, to to take on the world. And then what what kind of led you to to the team, uh, that the concept and where you guys are today? Kind of what was that progression? What does that look like? Sure.
1: You know, we never set out to be number one and uh, or for any accolades. Honestly, you know, having the babies. I hired my first assistant so I could have time and, and leverage and it didn't matter how much I was giving up to do that at that time, you know, cause it was that first hire is always the hardest hire. I was trying to get time back and every hire since then has been for balance or time. And today my husband and I, even though we're not in the field, are still hiring for balance and time and that may be for us or that may be for our team members that, you know, are on ceilings. And um, you, a lot of times you hear in the marketplace that you're supposed to write a job description for a job and fill the job and not build around people. But we did the opposite. We built around people. We had great relationships that have been with me for 10, 15 years now. And we, we would put somebody in a position they would get maxed out. We would take their best qualities, keep them in that position and leverage the rest and then make the next best hire. And that's still how we're operating. We lead with revenue. We lead with leads. So we, you know, we, we provide leads to our agents and we grow when we can feed another family or when our, we're at capacity and need leverage and, and, and more time and balance.
0: I love it, and I think that's something that every single real estate agent, no matter what your size is, whether you're an individual or you have aspirations of having a big team like you, needs to understand. Which is which is scale and leverage, right? So, uh, what is what is one or two pieces of advice that you would give to an agent who is struggling? Who says, you know, I'm doing four or five deals uh, every month or whatever it is, two or three, but I, in order to get to the next level, man, I gotta hire. So, what is your advice? On what person they should hire? Is it is it an admin? Is it marketing person? What what do you? What kind of advice would you give to an agent who's looking to to scale and leverage?
1: Sure. Well, I would have to ask them about a hundred questions to be able to answer that question. But let's say somebody like me who is in the relationship business—that is, I set out to build one relationship at a time in this in this area in, in our community um, I was a farmer so in hindsight if I were to do it all over again now and hire my first assistant I would make sure I'm hiring someone with a skill set that has the ability to design you know graphic design that can do Photoshop and knows how to video edit that has enough skills around websites and landing pages and in technology. I would I would shoot for those skills because you can move fast when somebody can take your ideas and your heart and your story and put it all of that into action and implement quickly. If they don't have those skill sets, you're just hiring somebody that's going to be your the liaison to all of the outsourcing that that takes the videographer, the the um, designer, the graphic person, whatever and. If you can find somebody that has enough of those skills, they don't have to be experts at it, but enough that they can move things quickly and, and get you know social media out and, and design flyers and, and events and and has that same servant heart or the ability to tell your story and be your voice, I think that would catapult somebody like me um, in the business because what happens is a really good, talented, like a naturally talented agent is going to always put those things on the back burner when there's a problem to be solved or a fire in the business or a transaction to do, they'll always let themselves off the hook on the marketing and the accountability and the implementation of things where if you hire somebody for that, it always gets done. And you're, you're constantly working on your business and and building your community while you're out, while the agent's out doing the transactions. And then I would just leverage transaction coordination separately until that adds up to a point where you can bring that in-house and it makes sense to bring it in-house but i would say the first assistant should be more tech and design and um and writer good writer
0: yeah so more marketing driven that's really fascinating that's good advice and so what you're saying is when it comes to like the paperwork and the assistant work like the transaction piece you would use like a service for that
1: yeah would just pay out per per transaction And then you're not tied to it. If you don't have any transactions that month, you're not paying salaries, you're not paying taxes, you know, and and benefits and everything. Once you get to a consistent level of business and that starts to add up to what a salary would be, then I would pull that back in-house and then you'd have your two assistants, you'd have your overall front of the house, and then you have the back of the house, you know, the the transaction, the paperwork, that the you know, the money, and then you have the front of the house, which is relationships database you know implementation events that type of thing
0: that's that's awesome that's really good advice and so when you're hiring that person that you describe do you have so one where do you recommend someone would find somebody like that and two what kind of ad would you put out there that's what what specific qualities or skill set or education would you require of that person
1: Sure you know I think um, a lot of times and I've made this mistake a few times, where I put the ad out and I say, I'm hiring for marketing. And then somebody comes and says, I have a marketing degree from the university, right? Well, they're really good at marketing for like buying ad space or, uh, you know, advertising on the radio, that's We don't need that, right? I, need, I don't even need high level um, skill sets for design and, and, um, and graphic design but enough that they can move things forward and get things done and um, follow templates. Once we've got them built, you know, we've got the brand, we've got templates, we know what we're going to use. Now it's a matter of, you know, pulling everything in and, and making things always look the same professional and, and then, you know, following a plan, which is the social media and that type of thing. I got lucky and I fell into this. I learned kind of the hard way, but I, I was blessed with this person in my life And the ad I put out there was for a photographer. I was thinking, I'm going to hire an in-house photographer. And I, but I want them to do when they're not out taking photos, I want them to do some graphic design for me so they can do our, our posts with the photos. Right. And I, I uh, put out on Facebook, I'm looking for a unicorn. I'm looking for somebody that has, that is a photographer, but that also knows graphic design and is a good writer. Does that person exist? And someone tagged my person now, Emily, and um she came in as our photographer and she was just re-entering into the business after being out having children. And she was my photographer for about two weeks and I realized the level of talent that she was and she quickly took over head marketing. And now she is my um, right and left arm and is running our entire office and is our, she she is our culture. She is our heart of this business. But it went from just hiring her as a photographer and I just got lucky. But I just threw it out there, asked for a unicorn, put all the skill sets out there and said, who's out there that has these skill sets? I didn't need somebody that was going to be super detailed and dot eye every I and cross every T. I needed the big, I needed somebody to take to um, be able to interpret my brain and my mind, because I'm ADD and everywhere you can probably already tell, and and make that into something and move things forward, or else it was just the you know a checklist I've had for ten years of dreams of what I want this business to look like.
0: I like it, and that brings up a good point too, that because most most you know, and I'm in the mortgage space, which is different but but parallel, right? It runs the same, and and all good salespeople are not good detail people, almost all. Right. I shouldn't say all, but most. Um, and, and maybe even by design partially, because I would say I could be, I could be a great detail person. I choose not to be, I'm not interested in that. Right. I just want to focus on what I'm good at. And so it's, it's so important to leverage that and find people that fill those gaps and arguably find people. Don't be, don't be, uh, afraid of hiring people who are maybe smarter or even better than you at those skill sets
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I think people feel threatened by doing that every day. Right. Yes, absolutely. And what about, I wanted to ask you about this position specifically. Do you think it's important to, to hire someone potentially younger? Because you bring up social media, you bring up several skill sets that I would argue to say that the older generations, and by older, we're talking, you know, maybe 40 and up, right? Just, mm-hmm. they just weren't, we weren't raised or born and bred with these things at our fingertips like the younger generations are. Do you think that's important?
1: You know, I think it's just, it could be, you, you can find some talented old people, you know, call, I'm an old, I'm an old lady. So like, you know, I got to put out a plug for them. But honestly, that skill set is very much just ingrained in our children right now. It's just what they're getting. It's, it, it's what they know. It's natural to them. It's unnatural for us that I didn't turn on a computer until I was a teacher and through college. So I think that that probably does line up with uh, somebody from college The only challenge you run into with a younger person is they don't have, they're not as worldly. And so it'll take longer for them to become your voice because they don't have the experience that, you know, I have as a, as a um, 20 year veteran in this business. So it will take longer for them to, be able to act independently for the voice of the business, but they certainly could implement and design with direction. And, um, but yes, I would think that skill set's probably fairly easy to find in a younger person.
0: I love it. I love it. So this is or even uh,
1: an intern, I suppose, you know,
0: of course. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that, you know, this conversation, you know, you and I, we always plan these conversations, right? These podcast recordings, and they never go down the exact path because this is not something we, we, we prefaced or practiced for. Uh, but I think this is really good information. This is good for people to hear because, again, I don't think there's one real estate agent out there that doesn't have a need to, to scale or grow at some point. And that's what you want, anyway. If you're if you're actually going to take your career somewhere, this is what you need. So this is this has been great. Thank you for this. So let's let's segue over to to the Weemert Group now. Let's talk about your team. And so we know how you started. We know how you would have would you do you would do it over again if you could do it over again. But now you have all these people, and and now you've really really grown this thing. And you have a an amazing culture. You guys are winning awards all the time. Talked a little bit about the uh, a current one that's going on. So let's talk about the team. Let's talk about some of the things you do that make your team different, make your team arguably better and diff- different, right? That other teams could take some some bits and pieces and advice from.
1: Sure. I think at the base of everything, it's um, we've been able to grow and build a culture and build a community around our office because we have longevity in our team members. So I'm not spending all my days recruiting and, you know, turning people over in training. So by having our agents stay, our, you know, our, our our assistants have been with us for years, we are able to get traction and continue to build instead of having to spin our wheels and start over all the time. So I think that's important to note when I tell you all of these things, because you know, we've just been able to get better and better and stack and, and refine because we have that strong basis. But our, um, again, like I said earlier, we've built around the people that we have. We've followed the red book, uh, Gary Keller's red millionaire real estate. What is it? Millionaire real estate agent. Very, very closely. It was my my education in business. You know, I was with KW for 14 years. And, um, we, we, you know, teach our agents leverage. We teach, um, our, we, we work very, very hard at bringing our value to our agents. So if, you know, I bring somebody onto the team, I understand that I've adopted their family. That's how serious I take it. Like I'm going to be responsible for putting their kids through college, you know, like that's, that, that's as. Serious as I take it, Um, I want to make sure that I'm able to provide them the leads and the support and the structure and the expertise that we're promising them. That they're willing to come and help build the business, and we work very hard at making sure that we all have we're flying the same flag. We have the same messaging out in the community, because what we find is that we use a term called Ubuntu. Um, it means I am because we are. and our, our agents win multiple offers and, and all the time because they're part of our team because every team member is out there treating people with respect, doing the right thing, and working hard and, and creating win-win relationships. So there's a we know the value. we, we live the value of our team and um, I think our team members could tell you the value and we make sure that we're living up to that on a daily basis that was a really scattered answer but there's a lot in there
0: (laughs) well so uh, well and there's a couple things i can i can bring up but i first have to ask ubuntu where does -hmm. that come from where does where does where does that come from
1: well you know it was a it's an african proverb that was where the a scientist went over to africa and they had a big basket of fruit and they were going to do an experiment and they told the children, the African children, the first group, the first person to the fruit gets all the fruit and, and they lined up all the kids and let them go. And instead of the kids tackling each other and stepping each other's throats to get to the fruit, they um, linked arms, sur- um, surrounded the fruit and shared it equally and got more than anyone needed any one person needed for themselves. And you know, through that story, Ubuntu was born, and it ultimately means "I am because we are." And so, we have that plastered all over our office in art. We we whenever we help each other, we're like, "Thanks." Hashtag Ubuntu. Uh, it's a constant reminder that we're in this together, and our our brand awareness and our culture and our everything is has grown exponentially by each of our agents' actions and reactions and experiences out in the marketplace.
0: I love it. I love it, which which then leads us to another couple words. So we've already, you've got Team Ridge, you have Ubuntu, which is something, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. something unique. Uh, but you've also taken the name of your group, which is your last name, and did another little play on words. Tell us about that.
1: Sure. You know, sometimes I think, you know, to build community, you have to have those inside jokes and you have to have those those words and the um, and just like uh, visual reminders of things. But our last name is We Mert, And one time I was at my daughter's cheer event and the coach was giving him a big pep talk. And he's like, we're not teammates. We're we mates. And I was like, oh, we mates like that, that. That's us. We have to I have to adopt that. And uh, that's also who gave me Ubuntu, by the way, too. But we we call ourselves We Mates now, um, our team members. So uh, that is definitely stuck. And then every Christmas, or uh, we always try to incorporate our families because this is a family business. Um, it takes all hands on deck for to support a realtor in life. But at Christmas, we make our we call them We Mates our little We Mates W E E Mates those are our children, we give them all t-shirts with a different saying every year from the from the team. And um, they feel like they're part of our group. And they, when we go to work, like if they have to come out to an, S- an Easter egg hunt or an event or a festival or something we're, we're hosting, they wear their shirts, like they're their business shirts, and they feel like they're part of it. So they're our little wee mates. And then our teammates are we mates.
0: I love it. I love it, and and I would argue, and I think some people might argue against us on this, but I like your style. I love, I love it's it's family oriented, right? You're you're very close to your people. You do things that that create that culture, and and I I personally believe that if you want to grow a team, you better be invested in your people, Uh, and I think that's probably a testament to the tenure that you have with your people because if you don't do this, it's just a job, it's just a paycheck, and 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 so you may not be that person who's like, you know, I, I, you know what, this is a job and I'm not interested in getting to know these people on a personal level and I don't care about all this wee crap and I don't care about, you know, I don't care about, about having a tight knit family at work. But if you do that, you're just setting yourself up to probably have more of a revolving door of agents because if it is a paycheck and it is just a job, there's always going to be somebody who's going to offer something better or shinier sure. that's going to attract them. Yeah. And you are a testament to to crushing. Them. I mean, you said fifty plus team members. It's not easy to manage that many people and keep that many people happy. Sure. Yeah. So, it's
1: it's not every day, but we work hard at it. And you know, we teach. We have we have a we make creed that we follow, and that's really important to us. We you know we we really talk about we have five things. It's elevate others and it's have an abundant mindset and, you know, be accountable for our actions and teachable spirits and be solution-based. And um, we talk around those points a, a lot. And the only award we give out on our team, we don't give out production awards, is We Made of the Year. And it's the person who embodies those standards. We don't compete Internally, because everyone has a different goals and different whys. So it doesn't make sense to internally compete. We, we compete externally with other brokerages and teams, but not internally, but we do put a, all of like, we put so much value on our, we mate standards and we hold each other to those and because our whole business is built on trust. So if our, um, if we have any weak links, We rely on each other to get deals done and have future business in our database. If I have a weak link as a transaction coordinator or an agent that is toxic, it is the whole thing could implode. So we work hard on that. We give each other a lot of grace. We understand we're all living lives with challenges, and we give people breathing room. They they can come because we control the leads. Our agents can come in and out as life as life calls. So, if you know, we have moms that kids are home in the summer. They don't take as many leads in the summer. No big deal. They just come back in when they're ready. If they need to go on vacation, people go on vacation and they just check out and they have to come back and fill their pipeline when they get back. I don't need to have people ring bells. I don't need to crack whips as long as I'm in control of the leads. You know, don't take more than your fair share. You know, do your you know, hit your goals that you set that we're coming behind to make sure the structure's there and adult manage yourself, you know, like that's, it's, we're just, we just try to treat people like people.
0: I like it. I like it. And, and so, and you bring up again, you bring up so many good points and, and culture is so, so important. I'm beating a dead horse with this. So I want to, I want to shift. Um, and ask you a tactical question. So, you know, I think the answer to why you have tenure is probably m- culture more than anything. You've mentioned leads, and you don't need to get too specific, but, but if, you, if you could give two things uh, within your group that uh, you feel is the, the strongest tactical piece of your business that keeps people there, that makes them the most happy, that, that fills their bank accounts, what would you say uh, that is?
1: Well, it starts with leads. You know, we're in a transaction business, you know, no matter, you know, how much fluff we want to add to this, we're, we're, bottom line is we need to do transactions and the agents need to make money or they're not going to stick around no matter how fluffy it is. Right. So leads, having a consistent leads, the lead generation source is going to be important. And then having solid, uh, leverage, for our agents is is important. You know, our transaction coordination. I would say a big pivotal piece in our business was getting inside sales on our incoming leads. That is extremely important because we don't even have to ask our agents to nurture their database. They're not prospecting. All our agents have to do is worry about eight things. And that's, you know, starts with just servicing the client. They're not even converting them and to write the contract to get to closing and then follow up with their database and that is it we've even taken the nurture away because we realize if we have really active agents and they're in the field with the clients and and selling our a buyers houses they really don't have time to come back and pick up all of the stray pieces and the nurtures and the prospecting and you know making all these calls we need them focused on the clients and that we handle all of that back office. And they, they pay for that. They paid, our agents paid. If, if we give them a lead that comes through um, our inside sales department, they pay the 10% for that. And they're happy to do it because that frees up so much time for them. So when they get home after showing all day and writing an offer, they don't have that weight of, Oh my goodness, I'm letting the team down because I didn't get to, make all those calls or all those tasks in my follow-up boss today they they're, they're relieved of that and they weren't going to do it anyway that's the reality the good agents that have a full pipeline aren't they don't need to they're not going to do it it's going to get dropped it's a it's a giant black hole so once we figured that out and got it back into our inside sales department our we we take control of the leads and how many everybody can uh, service at any time and it's been it's been great. It's been great, and our agents—we all come from abundance. So our agents know, like, if they have, they usually top out around three or four A buyers at a time. If they're working that, they don't check in to get a lead. They just work their A buyers, and as soon as they get one under contract or one falls out, they check back in, get another lead, and they keep on going. They don't have to hoard leads because they don't know when they're going to get another one, or you know, it's not the jump ball where everybody has to compete and step on each other's throats and they end up hoarding more and cherry picking, they don't have to. They just, they can comfortably um, come from abundance, but work the leads that they have and then come back and get another one when they're ready. Cause we did learn like, you know, you learn a lot of lessons the hard way, but if, you know, agents, you're like, how come you're not converting? We've, I've given you 10 leads. Okay. Well, let me give you some more leads and you throw more leads at them. Really, it's like juggling. They've got three in the air and you throw five more at them, they're going to drop all the balls. So just give them what that one agent can handle and they're fine. And they, they do very well when they're not stressed out and having to carry all this extraneous stuff. And not every agent, you know, some agents could carry six A buyers and some, some of our agents, maybe only two at a time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's okay. As long as they're good team members and doing their part.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. And do you do you have any recommendations? So obviously leads are uh, important and you obviously are probably providing quality leads. I mean, if there is such a thing. But at least leads that can be converted. Do you have any recommendations on where somebody who's trying to follow in your footsteps, where they should go or what you recommend today and I realize this evolves and changes every day, where they would go, what's the best place to go for leads? Go Without for giving- leads? Yeah.
1: Oh, boy, that's a loaded question, too, because um, it really depends on the infrastructure that they have. So our our uh, goal is to be 40% repeat referral business this year, and we're, we're on track to do about 900 transactions. So I, I'm really proud of that number because we've been working hard at that. But we still have to have a, you know, we're a big volume business. We still have to have an enormous number of leads. So we are, we are in business with Zillow and Realtor.com. We do Facebook ads. We we invest heavily in SEO. But that's not for everyone. I just must I just met with a team for lunch today that I told them the opposite of that. I told them, you know, you guys are relationship-based, you're farmers. Put your time and energy and money into building a plan around every segment of your database and continue just to feed your database with people from your community, whether it's business to business or investors or uh, renters and then past clients and uh, neighbors. And But every, every segment of your database should have a plan around it that you put in place that you have somebody held accountable to implement. And it's all, if you can build that solid database and you know who's in there and, and um, you're feeding it and you're nurturing it, that is the foundation of a solid business. So no matter if it's a buyer market or a seller market, they those same people in that business will call you because they need you. Mm-hmm. Um, if we chase the market of the moment and stay churning and burning with Zillow or Facebook leads or the expired calls and physical calls, you can do transactions, but you're not building a business. The business is the repeat referral business. It's that the number of people in your database that know, love, and will refer you.
0: And so do you put all of your agents into specific pieces of technology? I know you mentioned FUB, Follow-Up Boss. Um, mm-hmm. Is that like something that um, they can do it as, as at their discretion, or is it something that is required of them? They have to integrate in these various technological platforms.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we as a team Ridge, we control all of the aspects of all the technology and um, the branding and the materials and everything. So, but we they have to they have to follow the our technology because we rely on each other. So they have to understand that they have to put their notes into follow up, boss, because our inside sales agent is going to come behind them to see have they followed up on that lead? And do they, do they need assistance with that? Or are they in dialogue? Because we don't want things to slip through the cracks, but we also have like a client experience director that calls through our transactions from the Wemer perspective saying, you know, how's everything going? Just checking to see if there's anything we can help with. They need to check that system for the notes, you know? So there's a reason why we ask them to do certain things because somebody else is relying on that information and that data. And then, you know, the the value of being on the team is that they don't have to worry about social media and SEO and building business cards and presentations and such. But if they don't put their data in the database, marketing can't come behind them and support their database for repeat referral business for themselves. And so they see the benefit of following the the systems because then the team works for them. That's the whole value. They wouldn't be getting the value out of if, if they didn't put their data in.
0: 100%. What about ISAs? Do you guys employ ISAs?
1: We do. We have one full-time. Uh, he's a beast. He's ex-military. He sits in the back seven in the morning, seven o'clock at night, absolutely on a mission to... Uh, convert as many leads as possible, make as much money as possible. Uh, he's he's absolute beast. But outside of him, we do have two younger guys that are kind of in training. They don't get the incoming leads. They do the outbound old nurture, you know, expired Fisbo stuff. You know, they're cutting their teeth on that. And then we still have some some shifts that our agents take for lead um, conversion when our ISAs can't cover the shifts.
0: So you prefer to hire and manage in-house versus hiring a service to do this for you.
1: I do just because I'm such a control freak for our brand. It makes me so nervous to have somebody out there using our name but not saying the right things because we have, you know, we have a re- we have a reputation and um and I and it's fragile, you know, and I just I don't want to I I like that
0: control. <laughs> Fair enough. There's no wrong or right answer. It's just worth getting your take on why you choose one or the other. Yeah. so, And, and so I think one thing too is, is we lose kind of our focus on, or I, I shift the focus to, hey, if you want to grow a team, this is what you should do and listen to what Jenny has to say. But I think it's important to point out that if you're a young agent or you're a struggling agent, you know, this is the kind of team that you should be seeking out. And they're in every market. And probably multiple teams, but, but Ginny is giving the, the baseline. She's giving exactly what you should be looking for because this is how, if you're struggling or brand new, you can step in and learn from the absolute best and either A, learn and advance and do your own thing or B, just crush it with one of these teams, which obviously you probably have a bunch of people doing that, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, all of our agents are in productivity. They wouldn't be comfortable on the team if they weren't, to be honest. But I, what I do, I do tell our agents when we hire them is, you know, I say that, you know, it may be unreasonable or unrealistic, but I'm going into business with you, assuming we're going to be in business forever. And I want to grow this business as big as you want to grow it. And that's what gets me up every day. How big of an umbrella can I Build here so everyone can grow their businesses. But honestly, if people are thinking, "Okay, I'm just going to come on and learn and 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 learn what they're doing and then go off on my own," I tell them not to come on the team. Then I'll just mentor them because really, if you're doing it right, that person is going to come in, build a business for two years, and then leave it behind and start over anyway. Because we keep the data. We, you know, we're building the relationship with the Weimer Group, and so. You know, I, 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 but we, we, we hire, we hire people that aren't wanting to do it on their own. You know, I, I want people that have already tried and they understand they can do it and their talent, but they don't want to do it. And it's lonely. They don't want to get good at marketing. They appreciate the value we bring. I'm not really hiring the fast talking DI superstars. They're, they're not going to be happy here for long. You know, they're not, they don't want, they, they don't want to be in a controlled environment and it's a very controlled environment.
0: Sure. And that's important to, to recognize that. And, and back to the other conversation of somebody went to grow a team is you need to understand those personality traits. You need to understand what you're hiring and who belongs in your system. Because if you don't, that's what's going to happen is it's just going to be, it's just going to cycle. It's just going to be a cycle and you're going to pull your hair out uh, being frustrated why you can't, re- why you can't retain, why people don't stay. And then if you're not hiring the right personality, it's never going to work because, like you said, a high D, high I, especially the two of them together, they probably aspire for more, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like you said, you identify that and you mentor them versus put them on the team.
1: Yeah, and we don't get me wrong. We've got we've got very talented high DIs. They tend to be, um, you know, our listing agents and. And they're very happy with the money they're making, and they've they've come around to flying the flag and not having their name in lights. But it's not easy to bring in a DI like that into a team. It's just so we have them, but it's not who I necessarily seek out.
0: Sure, they're they're the right fit. They they fit correctly. They're cultural matches. I probably correct.
1: They are. They are. And uh, they, you know they, we've been in a relationship for ten years. So
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: We've 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 uh, we've adapted.
0: Awesome. So so Jenny, we have uh, let's recap here. We have a Team Ridge. We have Ubuntu. We have We mates, and we have We mates. You know, I think, I think that kind of encompasses a little bit of a, a lot, a lot about you um, and what you guys stand for. Uh, is there anything, any other piece of just overall advice that you would give to anybody based on kind of this conversation today on growing a team or joining a team?
1: You know, just back to, and we, we already touched on it, but it's really back to really focusing on that database and, and breaking this business down as you're growing. if, keeping it small. So it's no. our agents, they have a very manageable business within our business. So our clients always feel like they're the only client. So no matter how big you get, you've got to try to feel, make, feel small. And it's not that hard when you have the right talent, the right people, but it's, it's breaking it down and breaking your database down from, you know, we have 60,000 people in our database, but they're, you know, each agent has 20 to 50 forever clients. And we focus in on those and really being always keeping the client in the forefront. So it's so easy to get caught up in the industry and the, and the, and the accolades and the the ego and forget the clients and the transactions and the money too. Right. We keep that client in the forefront. That is our 100% focus um, is to provide that awesome client experience, because we know that for every one deal, we're going to get three or four more from them. And that's our goal. We don't want to be paying Zillow and realtor.com forever. Those are lost leaders for us. We need to bring that that lead into the team and then build a, a relationship where they feel comfortable giving us referrals and using us in the future. But with that comes focus on the clients and, and our database. So, not losing sight of the repeat referral number and the database, I think, is, is very key for moving forward and, and winning in this crazy marketplace we have right now with I buyers and flat fees. And it's really knowing your value and being able to articulate it.
0: I love it. You guys are obviously doing this at an insanely high level. And it's not just culture, clearly, it's also leads, it's systems, it's databasing, it's, it's a little bit of everything. And you guys have a really tight, tight uh, grasp on that. And it shows and uh, you have been an awesome inspiration. And I think a lot of people have learned a lot from you today. So let me ask you this, if somebody wants to kind of grab a nugget or two from you, Outside of this podcast, and they want to go search some information, where's the best place that they can find you or where can they get a hold of you? How, what's the best place to contact you?
1: Well, we, you can just go to realty.com. it's W E M E R T. That's our website. And you can also go to our Facebook page, our uh, team page, and you can see some of our posts and our marketing and some of our team events you'll see there. Uh, that's Realty on, uh, Facebook as well. And I do have a, like a team life magazine that I would be happy to share with people if they would like to see, you know, our recruiting piece and, you know, some of our, our culture pieces and, and different events that we throw and our standards and that type of thing. I'd be happy to share that. So if you just want to, um, You you message me on Facebook. It's easy to find Jenny Weimert, W-E-M-E-R-T. I can shoot that link to our, our digital magazine for that if anybody would like to see that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so again, accessible. So through either your website, uh, which is wemertgrouprealty.com or mm-hmm. you can follow on Facebook, or you can just message you direct. Again, it's Jenny Wehmert, wemert W-E-M-E-R-T. Uh, now I notice, uh, I've i noticed on your website, that's kind of what I look at over here, uh, but I've also noticed behind you is you guys have a lot of pictures of what looks like clients in front of yeah. their home doing various poses Let's let's end by telling. Tell, is that like your decoration around your office, or what's what's the story behind that?
1: It is. It is again. It's a constant reminder that the client is um, the reason we're doing this. And um, so at every closing, we have a welcome home sign that we place in the yard for walkthrough. And then we take fun pictures with the families. And then um, we take those photos and we use them in our marketing. We do our just sold posts with their pictures and tag them in them. But we tell their story. It's not about, hey, we just had another sale. It's We were able to get their closing costs paid for a new roof and under market. And they're so happy to be here from Tennessee. You know, we're happy to have them, that kind of story. But then we take the pictures and we use them as art all over our office. And it's just because it's a constant reminder that this is what we're doing this for.
0: It's such a cool idea, and you, you hear what she just said there. And, and it, you need to go stalk these pictures because I'm talking about like this one right behind her, where the husband's holding the wife. I mean, he's picked her up and he's holding her, and they're kissing right in front of the front door. Or yeah. there's another one behind her where they're making the heart sign together. There, there's some very creative pictures, and I've I've been stalking them. So Aww. I think it's I think it's really. It's, it's not, again, it's different. You know, if, if I go through my, my Facebook feed, it's people standing at the closing table holding their keys. Everybody's doing the same thing. But if you want to stand out and create some decorative pieces, but also use it to market yourself for testimonials and tell stories, what a brilliant idea. And this isn't rocket science. You just figured it out real quickly and, and are executing it at a very high level. And I, I recommend any agent go check this out. This is something you can easily do tomorrow. You're already doing it. Just do it better. Simple as that.
1: And it's, You know, honestly, it's communicating with the the community as well. So when you put that welcome home sign in, and they start to see these welcome home signs all over town, as a buyer's agent, you didn't have the sign in the yard. So this is our way of getting the sign in the yard. But it's also, you know, the opportunity to celebrate with the client, do take the picture, and promote them on social media as well. So it, it serves all kinds of purposes. But it's just a system. It's a checklist item. They carry them in their cars and. We also have um, housewarming gifts already pre-made that are swag related that um, the agents pick up their big housewarming gift. They t- pick up their welcome home sign. Everything is ready to go. They go to their closing and, and you know it's, it happens like that for every closing. It's a system.
0: I love it. And, and you're talking to Mr. Branding himself, because there's very rarely a day where I'm not wearing a branded hat or shirt, not just to my company, but to lab coats or whoever. Uh, because to me, that's beyond important. It's selling without selling. It's subliminal, yep. right? And you're doing the exact same thing. It's just you're always in people's faces. And if you're not branding yourself, you know what, you might as well just go ahead and give up right now, because it's such an easy way to do it. And it just wears it everywhere. And you know what, and give them out. Put a post out there. Send your hats off to people. Shirts, whatever. merts, you know, with slogans. Yeah. It's 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 awesome. I love it. I love what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, good stuff, Jenny. This has been fantastic. It's been fun getting to know you and learn more about your business. I've gained some things from it that I'm going to use, um, and I know that our listeners okay. will as well. So this has been fantastic. Again, it's Jenny Weemert, W E M E R T. Go follow her. Um, it's worth your while. You will learn so much. She does such an awesome job in Central Florida. And I know you're going to continue to crush it. And I look forward to meeting you at a future event. I'm sure it'll happen. I hope and, so. Uh, I look forward to it. So, again, like we always say, if you love what you hear, if you've gained something from this, do us a favor share us, like us, give us feedback. We love it. Uh, we want to continue to grow this podcast to be the number one podcast to real estate agents. And uh, because like Jenny says, we come from abundance, and we just want to share, and uh, that's why people like Jenny fit so well with the Lab Code Agents culture as well, because it's very, very similar. So, Jenny, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, it has been a, an honor to to get to interview you, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon.
1: Thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Take care.
0: Lab Code Agents Podcasts.